0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on June the 29th, 2021. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me as always, but now with his tower... Uh,
1: Gazing upon uh, you from my tower, Caffeine Rage...
0: On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. It's good to think of Elder Scrolls VI as still in the design phase, says Todd Howard. Uh, we'll have a bunch of community news topics that have been given to us. Um, we're going to be talking about the Sniper Ghost Warrior press event. GameStop made $1.1 billion off of its stonks. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Epic versus Apple lawsuit, well... One of them. There are several lawsuits, and then time allowing, we will do a Steam Discovery queue Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's shaking, Bacon?
1: Well, I got the spaghetti back in my tower, so there is that.
0: That's good, and it's uh, all, all assembled and working.
1: Yeah, and I even got the blue fans on the front to work now, which was well, the entire which was the entire point of taking it apart in April was to try to fix the fans not working.
0: Right. And here we are two months later and, uh, it's finally almost entirely working.
1: Yeah. I have, uh, the old Ram going out. So when that returns, I'll, uh, uh, put that in and also install an external power switch. So for those who had the bedding pool going, it was a combination of a short and the reset switch, which fried the RAM. So, yeah. That's yep. a fun combination, huh?
0: Yep. Uh, I called short, but for we couldn't figure out for the life of us what caused the short and the first, like, the only thing we thought about was, like, the fans, because that's what you were, like, messing with. But no, it was, yeah, as you said, happened, the reset switch.
1: Uh, well, I haven't found exactly where the short is. Uh, Basically, the Uh, The case and only thing it has connected to is the USB ports and uh, the power switch. Uh, This case, uh, I've gone through uh, three cases now where I've broken something on them pretty damn early in the computer's lifespan. And this is the first time it's been a switch. The other two times it's been I've bumped the USB ports and uh, had to either disconnect or just not use the USB ports on the case itself because they would short out. As a matter of fact, on uh, my oldest computer, I still have here. Uh, if you have the, uh, the uh, uh, USB ports connected to the motherboard, they'll actually spark which, while pretty, probably shouldn't be doing that.
0: <laughs> no, I, I would think not.
1: So, I think I know what caused it, but I'll be damned if I can figure out where the actual short is to fix it. So, uh, the initial build, or the initial upgrade, was to install two fans in the top of the case and bypass the power hub, which I'm pretty sure is dead. Or, if it's not dead, the wiring for it is foobarred. Because the front fans never worked. Alright? And it has a speed selector or, or yeah you know, on the front to uh yeah you know, change the speed of the uh, front uh, blue fans to be able to increase or decrease the amount of uh, airflow going through the case so they never worked i've tried i tried several different ways to wire those through that hub pretty sure i just have a broken wire somewhere there all right yeah. so the idea was to take a head splitter and run them directly from the motherboard. I set did the math. Uh, both uh, sets of fans. Running off two separate uh, headers. Uh, would be under the power. Uh, requirements. Or the, po- the power limit. Well in order to install the fans. On the top of the case. I had to take the front panel. And the top panel off. And this case has very very little. In the way of slack wiring. Because the, all the controls on the top. Are yeah, in that top panel and they're all snaked up through the side of the case from the uh different uh connectors uh, in various places of the case and there's not a lot of excess room to be able to pull the case uh, the pull the top of the case off and you're supposed to do that because one you know, how else are you going to install fans and two the manual for the case uh the front and the top have a grid on them uh, that covers the uh the the case fans, uh, to use as a a, a pseudo-screen. It's not a full-on fine mesh, but it's enough to catch large particulate. And I have two cats, and one who is constantly shedding. I mean, uh, during the spring and autumn, uh, she looks like named Cat uh, with hair trailing behind her. Okay? So, yeah, we need those uh, to be able to remove them later on to be able to clean them. Plus, you know, summer heat, you know, getting the case fans working, probably a good idea. Well, those two are, were locked in place with thumb screws that had to be removed. And hey, extra thumb screws for the case itself, right? Well, I introduced a short somewhere in the reset switch when I pulled the top of the case off. And when I powered the computer on and because it was in a constant reset cycle, it did something to screw up the RAM because of course it did. And because it was in that constant reset cycle, it, was, uh, it wasn't able to get to the proper point where it would have an error for the proper component that was faulty. And because Gigabyte's documentation fucking sucks, it <laughs> let us down a rabbit hole of, okay, uh, let's go to Google and try to figure this out. Let's uh, Okay, let's start sending back parts, right? Because... Mm, right? Yeah. And it turns out that we both read the documentation wrong, and the fact that it was giving a uh, a hard red LED on a component was it a good thing. It was a bad thing. And because, yeah, right? It's just, ugh. This has been an experience. Don't buy Gigabyte. <laughs> or if you it do, has. download the manual and read it before you buy it, right?
0: Indeed. It has been an experience.
1: So right now I'm running on half the RAM. Um, I have uh, the other half currently uh, on a UPS truck somewhere, heading uh, uh, to Corsair, which will hopefully honor the uh, warranty on it because right, right. And I ended up just buying a second uh, set of RAM because I, they gave me two options. One was uh, yeah, just standard RMA, and the other one was. Uh, well, give them the manufacturer's suggested retail price of the RAM, and once they received my old RAM, they would refund me that, and they would uh, send a new RAM right away before it got to them, and they went through the process, which would probably be, you know, a week or two, right? Right. And if I'm going to tie up that money, well, one, it was Prime Day, and I was able to get the RAM on sale for actually about the price I paid for it, uh, the original set. And two, you know Why tie up the money if I could just buy it again, right?
0: Yeah and Then double your RAM and double your fun
1: Well, hopefully it boots with the new RAM, right? Because of course, right?
0: Uh, yeah, of course
1: If not, then I'll sell you some RAM
0: <laughs> I guess I don't, I don't My My computer's old, man I'm still using DDR3 Well, this is- I guess I could buy a kit and hold on to it <laughs> or figure out something to do with it, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's not bad ram either. It's uh 32 uh, uh hertz uh, DDR4.
0: When you say 32, you mean 3200?
1: 3200, th- th- 3, sorry. No, it's 32. It's that yo, I got it on the I got it on sale. Yeah.
0: Well, there's your problem.
1: <laughs>
0: Sweet. Well, now that the uh the great game of uh tracking down what uh, Killed Your PC has been solved. What about some other for now. great games? Or maybe not so great games to Okay, play this week. So,
1: since I've been on, yeah, uh, away from the uh, main computer, I still have the laptop which can play some games but I've been playing the Switch a lot and I'll have two links for this game because I'll have the store page and the, uh, the Steam store page but also the version I'm playing. I've been playing on the Switch, Nino Cooney, Kuni, uh, Wrath of the White Witch. Uh, I have about 25 hours-ish in it. And I'm still on the fence on if I like this game or not. Uh, There's some things I really like about this game. For one, the art style. It is a Studio Ghibli movie made made into a video game. Uh, As in, literally, it's Studio Ghibli that did the art for this game. And it is phenomenal, especially on a limited hardware like the Switch, where a more stylish, uh, stylistic art style uh, uh, really shines through. I mean, you d- a, a, a more realistic style, it just doesn't work for the Switch. The hardware just isn't up to stuff unless you start to make some severe restrictions on it. But something that's... Uh, more simplistic or more stylistic, like this, it does a lot better, and it is an absolutely beautiful game. Uh, we will give it that. And story-wise, it is well, it's a JRPG, meaning that I have over twenty hours in it, and it just feels like I, I finally uh, am at the end of the tutorial. It's w- worse than GTA. Or I should say that you know up to like GTA four because I never played five. Where there's so much time it spends on keeping the uh, various systems yeah, you know, locked off until yeah, you know, it feels like okay, well time to introduce something else. Like I had a main menu option completely blanked out until almost the twenty hour mark. That should tell you something, right? Yeah, And there's just a lot of little niggles on it that I find frustrating So the entire premise of the game is you are Oliver And you are uh, trying to save your mom Who sacrificed herself to uh, save you Because you're the chosen one Because of course you are And the evil wizards of this other world This parallel world to your own uh, tried to kill you okay so she okay. sacrificed herself to save your life and you find out that there's a chance that if you uh free this other world from this tyrannical group of uh, evil wizards because of uh of soulmates <clears throat> or, uh, linking be- the two worlds together that it may revive your mother so oliver's kind of do it for a pretty selfish reason uh, but at the same time you know he also went through a very tragic event so it it makes sense why he didn't jump on it right uh, right at the start but also it's kind of oof right (laughs) whenever you sit and really think about it and you have a party of well eventually of three characters it it takes a long time to even get to that point uh and uh, pretty much any time you Meet one of the new main characters You have to go through a lot of hoops To be able to uh, get them Uh, And honestly a lot of times It's going back to your world Uh, There's a bit of back and forth But it seems like the further I go in the story The less and less they do it Where uh, Sometimes you'll go back to your world To find the soulmate of somebody you're trying to help And by helping them It kind of Alters how they are in the parallel world Or to find out some information Like uh, a good example of this uh, is uh, the Queen of uh, uh, of this uh, desert city, and I'm blanking on the name of it. Uh, she uh, is what they call uh, broken-hearted, and that's a big theme of the game. Is uh, different uh, people have been affected by this evil wizard in different ways, and uh, often it's through. Uh, becoming broken hearted where one of the eight uh, different uh, parts of their personality is altered or outright removed like um, like kindness or belief or re- uh, or resilience that sort of thing and it has uh, different effects on their personality depending on what part is removed so for uh, an example of how the parallel war- worlds work along with the broken heartedness so uh, to uh, beat her bougency, and yes, it is bougency because she's a cow or part cow demi person thing, uh, you have to uh, go to uh, your world to find her soulmate, to find out what her favorite food is. <laughs> Never mind the fact that, yeah, you could just ask somebody around there, but right? Right. Uh, to. Uh, be able to create that food in the other world to get into the palace, to find out that she's broken hearted, to find out what part of her is missing. And you can also go around and find people that are abundant in various aspects as well. So and if you find somebody that's like overwhelming with kindness or with resolve or, or one of these eight aspects so far, I think I've only unlocked four. Four or five of them uh, To even be able to see Uh, You'll uh, Be able to essentially just Skim some off the top To be able to plant a seed In another person who has become Broken hearted So like finding somebody that has a lot of restraint You could skim some Off the top to give to Another person that is uh, Lacking in restraint because They're broken hearted to essentially Kindle that back into them to become a full person again, and uh, and I know there's probably a uh, it's probably taking a lot of boxes for you uh, on uh, psychology, huh?
0: Right. Indeed, it reminds me a lot of like a Final Fantasy. <laughs> uh,
1: it it it, like... it's, uh, it, ha- it has have uh, some uh, uh, feelings of like Kingdom Hearts, uh, especially with the heartless, right? Uh, but there's this feeling of. Of, of conflicted feelings. And part of it is how much it feels like a children's game. And I don't fully mean that as a decadentory decry- 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 thing, but at the same time, right? Because they go out their way to say, oh, well, you're these creatures that you're defeating, you're not killing them. You're just sending them back to their home, whatever, right? and they'll come back later. Or how they keep side, uh, tracking you on things that you should be able to do a, a with a lot more ease if you had a little bit more freedom, uh, like I mentioned with the you know figuring out somebody's favorite food by going this long tortuous sortubri- way instead of you know go you know, just asking around right right uh, or the constant uh, you know uh, tutorials really on really basic things and they keep mentioning it over and over again, like uh, weak spots and elements, for example. Where they'll actually break up combat. Which I'll get to combat in a little bit. Uh, to give you a tutorial for something that they've already gone over. And the fact that the combat system is already already finicky enough. That it's just, ugh. So uh, let's go ahead and get to combat. Since we're, we uh, just mentioned it. So the combat is essentially uh, Pokemon plus Kingdom Hearts. Alright. Each of the main characters has familiars. And you could trade them and send them back and forth. Uh, and they have three of them that they're able to swap out at will. And they mentioned that uh, you, the familiars are basically a projection of your soul. So the health and magic of you is also that familiar. So, oh, by the way, if you're familiar, it's knocked out. Um, you're knocked out as well. So uh, good luck with that, right? right. And because it's all real time well it's real time technically with pause because you can pause combat under some things like uh, changing targets Uh, it makes it very frantic so there's the ability to set up general tactics but there's not a lot of options for that so honestly a lot of the boss fights in particular feel like massive difficulty jumps because it's there's no real indication of what to expect beforehand There's no indication of, really, if there even is going to be a boss fight. There's a couple that just jumped out at me. Pretty much it feels at random. And there's a lot of, okay, well, are my AI partners going to do anything to really help me? Because uh, you start off with just yourself, and you're able to swap between your player character, Oliver, and eventually up to three familiars. Uh, you start off with just one, of course. Uh, or actually, you start off with just hitting something with a stick. And no, I'm not joking. And then eventually you learn to be able to summon familiars. And eventually capture familiars, which is also unnecessarily fiddly and frustrating. Uh, in order to capture familiars, one, you have to be pretty far into the game. Uh, to the point that I would say probably about a quarter of the way through. And only one of the characters... Uh, Esther is able to uh, capture familiars, so if you're in the middle of combat and something pops up that uh, is available for capture, which is honestly pretty rare, you have to swap to her and try to capture it before it's killed. Which, good luck with that at times. There's just just a lot of fiddliness with the combat system that takes us from a great game to an okay game. And there's also uh, the fact that the the game wants to be a lot more action-oriented than the combat system really allows for. There, uh, There's one battle that I got locked into because it was a surprise boss battle. And I couldn't leave the area. So if I didn't have a save that was before that t- to go level up, I would have been completely screwed. Uh, to Well, I could have knocked down the difficulty. But even then, you know, it's tough to tell exactly what that's going to do. There's only two difficulties, at least in the time i'm playing it may be one of those where you know you complete the game it unlocks another difficulty but i'm playing on normal mode right now which that might be part of it is that yo know, i'm exp- i'm going into it expecting something and i'm playing on normal mode right uh but uh this boss fight it had essentially an aoe wipe if you were not defending and in order to defend you have to ki- uh, if you're in a combat loop, so if, you ha- if you're if you doing your, your uh, normal auto attack, you have uh, it does essentially a combat animation, uh, like a combo. And also, if you're too far away, the familiar will try to run up to it and get in range. Alright, so you have to cancel out of that, uh, go to the defend option quickly enough, and start defending. And the defense has a set amount of time it could use. Uh, Before your defense drops, and then there's a cooldown on it, because of course there is, right? Right. So this surprise boss battle, I lost a couple times because I would hit the trigger button one too many times trying to go to defense, or I would be on a familiar uh, that did not have a good enough defense option, either just didn't have enough defense in the first place, or one of my familiars actually lacks a defense option at all and has another attack option. Because, of course, it does, right? Right. And it's just... It feels needlessly fiddly. This is one of those things that could have been solved with real time with full-on pause to give commands. But it just... It it just feels like it gets in the way, you know? And that's even before the fact that all the familiars you get uh, past your opening couple are familiars that you capture. But if you go back to the area that you captured it, well, you're potentially having a friendly version and an unfriendly version so it's just kind of muddled right right and i know i know i'm getting probably too hung up on the combat mechanics and the gameplay mechanics of this but i'm a gameplay guy first and foremost and there's just so many just head scratchers on this like uh, uh, another thing was that last option to in the main menu to that I had to unlock was alchemy which is essentially, yeah, you know, a cooking mini game where you know, you combine ingredients and whatnot. Well, uh, you have two options, yeah, uh, you know, just essentially mix and match to try to make something, or follow formulas and be able to make stuff pretty easily. Well, the entire idea of this game is that you have this wizard's companion that you're filling out and you're learning from, and it also is like. The Elder Scrolls on steroids, where it gives you a lot of lore if you just want to sit down and read it. Okay, so a, a large section of this is devoted to alchemy, which gives you the formulas needed to make all these various items. But the only time you're given the or you could use the formula is if you have been officially given that recipe by an NPC. Never mind the fact that you literally have a book with it. And if it's like a a healing item, well, you're going to have to make them one at a time. Which is slow, it's fiddly, it's frustrating. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking of for this one. So I've actually gotten to the point where I just don't do a lot of alchemy because of it. Because it's just pointless. I'll go grind for experience and uh, uh, items instead of just making them because it's just, I can't be bothered. And... That gets to the other thing is that it's it feels weird that this is a JRPG without the idea of levels. Well, okay, or I should say displayed levels because there are levels for your player characters. There's player there's uh, levels for your familiars, and also when you evolve or transmute or whatever you want to call it, it's Pokemon. So you know, evolution, and it creates a new form of your familiar. It resets the level and some of the stats, but not all of them. So you have to level them up again, but it's tough to tell on the overworld when you're starting to stray off the path too much and you're going to hit, yeah, things that are just going to essentially one shot your familiars. And I did that way too often of going to the slightly wrong area, just ever so slightly off the beaten path. And it just comes back around to, it gives you a lot of information, but it doesn't give you the right information or it makes things too convoluted. It makes it too frustrating for me to really recommend it wholeheartedly. (coughs) I mean, I'll probably eventually finish it just because it's on the Switch and I can just sit on the couch and play it. Right. But if I got this on PC, I would probably have dropped it by now because there's just so much that just rubs me the wrong way gameplay-wise. Right. Fair enough. And I feel like I'm bitching overly much because I do like the game as a whole. It's just there's so many caveats or so many i like this but they i like uh this elements but this sucks i like the overall art style however the storytelling feels a little flat yeah you know, it's just eh, right yeah i would say it's I, I think i ended up getting it for like 15 bucks on sale on the switch to be fair it's not the remastered version and i'm just now getting to the point where i could Easily free tra- uh, travel without, yeah, uh, you know, going long distances without, yeah, uh, you know, having to deal with uh, you know just yeah you know, a lot of walking. Uh, so I might find it a lot more enjoyable now that it's yeah you know, a lot more of an open world game instead of yeah you know, a trail breadcrumbs to the next uh, uh, marker. Oh, and there's also a lot of stuff to do on the side as well. There's a, a system where you're Uh, where you get merit cards to fill up uh, by doing sub-quests. And uh, sometimes they're very simple. Uh, matter of fact, you could complete them in under 20 seconds. Although you have to talk to them several times because it's one of those things that uh, the game, it feels like it doesn't trust you to do what you should. So it makes you go through a a prompt of, okay, well, uh, we know they're brokenhearted. I already have the piece I need. But I have to talk to him again to make sure I really want to cast a uh, give heart, right? So, yeah. Uh, uh, definitely worth it if it's on deep sale. Um, I find it too frustrating for full price, though.
0: Fair enough. I have, uh, <clears throat> you know, after listening to you talk to me about it for a, a couple, three weeks off and on now, and I've been interested in it. I don't know if I'll buy it. I have got a lot of. I bought a couple of games on the Steam sale. Um hmm. And, you know, some other stuff, so I don't know if I'll buy it, this go-around, but I have uh, looked at it, at least, and uh, have thought about it, because you've been talking about it. Yeah,
1: I will say that, uh, watch the, I think the trailer, yeah, 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 watch the trailer, the voiceover on that is one of the main characters, and he talks... A lot, and he is very dis- divisive on if you like his accent or not. He- he's like uh, a slightly less Scottish uh, version of Shrek, uh, uh, Shrek's accent. So it's, or should say, stereotypically Scottish. So it's a l- could be a little bit grating if you don't like that particular voice because yeah, he talks pretty much constantly, right? Thankfully, he doesn't repeat stuff outside of you know, text, but eh. So that is something to be uh, to consider. Uh, I haven't really had any issue with voice acting in this game, though. He's uh, uh, alright, so he doesn't bother me too much. But yeah, if an uh, annoying Scottish accent bugs you, uh, pass. Or just play Fair on enough. mute.
0: Scottish accent, accents, I don't usually find those annoying. So,
1: But some people do, that's the thing, right?
0: That's true. That is true.
1: Basically, uh, how do you feel about Shrek, right?
0: I... I like Shrek, <laughs> so be all right. I'll be all right. Um, cool. So I've got i got two on my list. And neither of them will take super long. I don't think. Um, they're both ones that have been talked about on the show before. One of them much much longer ago than the other one. Um, so MechWarrior Five. Uh, I bought it on the Epic Store during their their summer sale from a couple of weeks ago. I um, I got it with the Heroes of the Inner Sphere DLC um, for a total of twenty or twenty five dollars. I, th- I think it was twenty five for for both of them because Epic still does like any part during their sales and some other times too. If you buy anything over fifteen dollars, you get an extra ten dollars off. So I think it was twenty five dollars for or thirty five dollars for the the base game of the DLC and then the ten dollar off made it twenty five bucks. Um, I, yeah, having played it, so I went through the process from, from, uh, I think it's still on Game Pass, but from when it first came through, came to Game Pass, yeah, I, think I went is. through the process, the very lengthy process of modding the game, so that I could play it better. Basically, uh,
1: DLC, see if you can polish, polish the turd, right?
0: Yeah. But, you know, so I, I had played the base game modded. Um, through Game Pass, and that was more enjoyable. It's still not a great game. I'm not going to pretend it's not, but I'm a sucker for this shit. I'm a hardcore mech warrior, Battletech fan. And so, I wanted I wanted to have it when the DLC came out. You know, I'm, I'm on the subreddit, people are talking about how the DLC you know, fixed some of the problems with the base game and made it more like how it should have been on release, and if you can get it on sale for around 20 bucks, is probably worth it, like, you know, the whole package if you played it on Game Pass or had been waiting. And for the base game, I would more or less agree with that. I mean, we bitched a lot about, like, the weird, horrible spawn system and the weird, stupid, um, like, accuracy of, like, the tanks and things and so many enemies, like, chipping away at you and how that the procedural mission generation was ridiculous and boring and only the main story missions were interesting because they were actually more sort of handcrafted and the the base so i've played with some mods i'll talk about that in a minute but with the base game for with heroes of the inner sphere i'm kind of including the dlc because honestly other than sort of the fixes and the tweaks to like the um general gameplay balance none of the stuff that i'm about to talk about except for career mode is in the base game So with Heroes of the Inner Sphere, it kind of makes the game feel like how it should have been when it released like two years ago. Um, They have fixed... I say fixed. They have changed. It's still not to my liking, but it's better than it was. Sort of the amount of tank and vehicle spam and how quickly or, you know, how far out they engage you from before you can really even fight back or sometimes even see them. They've fixed some things with how the... um. Like the radar system works, so that you get uh, a better heads up on where things are, and and now you actually link up with your lance mates. They've done some things to fix the AI. It's not great. There's mods that do it better, but it's better than it was before. So your lance mates aren't ridiculous and like constantly like shooting you in the back and killing you. Although they actually made it where that you're invincible from lance mate AI fire, <laughs> so they can't actually kill you anymore. So that's well, nice. That's
1: well, I'm way right to put a band aid on it I guess
0: that is indeed that is one way to do it um they did some rebalancing of weapons and equipment they've added uh where that biomes actually matter so you know you drop on a lava planet your heat sinks are not as effective as if, as if you drop on a snowy planet
1: wait I didn't uh, realize that the biomes did nothing that, that no. sucks
0: in the original release of the game they did nothing and so did standing in water that did nothing that's um,
1: what the hell. I mean, that's a big thing. I, I didn't pay attention to that.
0: Yeah, because that. I mean, that does exist in MechWarrior Online, and they more or less like ripped a bunch of the stuff straight out of MechWarrior Online to put it in the game. But they didn't do that, so now that's in there in the base game. There were mods that did it before, and there might be mods that do it better now. I haven't seen any, but I mean, it, you know, it makes sense. There's dynamic weather now, so you can have snowstorms or or rain blow in. Um, and if you get snowed on or rained on, that actually makes your heat sinks work a little bit better. And certain terrain, like if you crash into a water tower and drench your mech in water, you get like a little burst of cooling. I thought that was a neat touch.
1: Um, I guess I was too uh, preoccupied with how much I hated the game to notice that one.
0: Yeah. Thinking about um, it. So, you know, those, those things are there now. They've added a career mode, which, you know, throws out the story, uh, the main story. And that's in the base game, and but it, it doesn't add the other aspects that make the career mode better than the story mode. But basically what the career mode does is it, it rebalances the map to make it make more sense. When you get out towards the edges of the map, so the periphery, the contracts are easier. And the closer you get to the center of the map, where um, all of the great houses, like their borders converge, then the contracts start to get more difficult. As opposed to being like this weird like loop that you do that follows the main story campaign. Um, they added more mech variants in the base game, even without the DLC, so more variants of the stuff that already exists, but they didn't really change any, anything as it relates to the way that you, uh, the default mech customization and mech base system, that's still garbage. They added some more weapon types and stuff like that, um, like they added, uh, rifles, which are like. Done completely wrong in 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 this, but they're sort of like a lower tech version of an auto cannon, so they're lighter and <clears throat> do um, like they're lighter and they have slower reload speeds, but they still punch a pack a decent punch. They added chemical lasers, which are more powerful, but use like stored chemical ammo, um, a few other things like that. Then with the DLC, the the quote heroes of the DLC part is they added a bunch of what are called hero mechs. These are mechs that, if you went and looked on, like, Sarna, um, you know, the giant uh, Battletech wiki, and you scroll down through the, you know, the mech variants of um, on a mech, and you get to the bottom, it'll be, like, notable, you know, mechs. And these are the mechs that show up in, like, the books or as, uh, you know, protagonist mechs or antagonist mechs in some of the older games and stuff like that. And they're, you know, heavily modified um, and, you know, drastically different from the other sort of mainline mechs. And all of the hero mechs in game are better than the standard versions because they get the stuff that you can't do in the game, like ferrofibrous armor so that you save weight or endosteel chassis to save weight or XL engines to save weight so you can put bigger guns and more armor. So all of the fun mechs are the hero mechs. Um, and there are a series of, um, multi-mission Sort of quests to get them. Some of them are better than others, um, because some of them rely more on the procedural generation missions versus handcrafted missions, but it adds, they're, they're kind of like flashpoints from Battletech. Um, you know, a series of missions that you have to complete in order to essentially be given the reward of the Hero Max. And at the very least, it, one mission in the chain is going to be a handcrafted mission. There's some really cool ones, like where there's one um, where you have to pilot a a single light mech and do some recon and, like, lure a bunch of enemy mechs into a firing line for, like, your employer. And the mech or the the map that you're using, um, like, there's it's like a marshland, and there are certain... Um, areas where the, if you walk into it, your your walking speed drops drastically because it's like you get stuck in the muck, and so you need to make with jump jets and, um, you know, having to balance. Um, and of course,
1: I'm uh, pictur- picturing Zoidberg.
0: Right? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Indeed. Oh goodness! I'm going to mute for a second and try to clear my throat that's going to look sexy on a wave form. God, that peaked so hard. But anyways, you know, there are missions like that that give you unique, um, objectives and bespoke maps that are, that are a lot of fun. Um, the heroes DLC also adds, I think it's five. It might be six new mechs into the game. Um, the Corsair, the Dervish, the Marauder two, which is a hundred ton assault variant of the Marauder. Um, couple others one of them i can't pronounce but anyways it did you know it adds mechs and that's always good it also adds even more variants of mechs that were already in the game um because it introduces even more technology so it, they can use variants of other mechs that have like lost tech on them um mm-hmm. you know special weapons and things like that and then it's got a system called the cantina system which are just like little additional sort of like side missions you can do um that are like uh go treasure hunting. Oh, that's something they added, treasure hunting. will talk about that in a second. It's kind of simple, but it's it's neat. But anyways, you go treasure hunting and try to recover specific goods or equipment from from the hunting, or um, you know, destroy X number of this type of vehicle or this type of mech, or salvage this type of mech and turn it in for, you know, sort of a quest reward. Um and those do two things. I mean, they do give you rewards. You get monetary rewards and equipment for doing them and sort of the more difficult the mission is considered to be the better rewards you get and then you earn points that build up over time and unlock special upgrades that you can have for your mechs. so uh you might get upgrades there's upgrades that basically cover like everything like jump jets mech speed um weapons more damage accuracy that kind of stuff and as you level up these different categories you Unlock more and more powerful upgrades, and each mech has a certain number of points that you can, you know, upgrade them with. You spend a little bit of money, it upgrades the mech and its capabilities. So it's allowing you to customize your mechs a little bit more, which is nice, um, given the fact that you have a much more limited supply of mechs. And as of right now, there are still no mods that add multi-lance support to the game. You need every advantage you can get, um, especially when you get towards the top-end contracts, whether that it, you uh, are going to be running, like, maximum assault lances and still, like, limping out of there with, you know, two out of four of your max destroyed, and the other two are missing, like, legs and arms and stuff, you know? So, every little advantage helps. And it- it's a neat little system. It helps give you something extra to do while you're just sort of tootling around looking for the next hero quest. Um, treasure hunting was added. Uh, just sort of in general on any mission when you're walking around, you can find supply crates. So from the campaign, it was like the first mission, I think. You have to find like three supply crates as part of the mission. Well, now you can just find supply crates. So you see the loud post over there. It's like, oh, maybe there's a supply crate over there. If I go like demolish a couple of warehouses, maybe I'll find one. Um, And then for the treasure hunting, you have to find specific ones that contain goods and like they're marked um, You have to sort of explore maps to find them. That's that's pretty neat. That's big, huge risk-reward, because obviously if you start wandering around the map, you trigger more enemy spawns. And depending on what type of mission you're doing and how difficult it is, that could be a death sentence to just find some treasure. So it does seem to be that the harder combat zone that you're in, the better your, your treasure that you find is. So I think they've tried to balance it. I don't know how well-balanced it is, honestly. Um. Well, considering how the game released, um, yeah, right. Yeah. So, and then the they added uh, a mission, one mission type called Beachhead, <clears throat> which sucks. It's really fun the first time you do it. And then the second time you do it, you're like, okay, this is neat. <clears throat> and then the third time you do it, it's like, oh my god, seriously? Is this how all of these missions are? They're all the same. You land on a planet. You are the tip of the spear of an invasion force. And you have to take out some advanced targets so that reinforcements can land, and then later the full invasion force. And you start out immediately being shelled by artillery constantly from somewhere on the map. Oh, because that's fun.
1: If I weren't there, like, I'd go
0: play uh, World
1: of Warships.
0: It's, I mean, every 10, 15 seconds, there's an artillery strike on you specifically. It's not like they shoot around you and maybe like, you know, when you're within a certain range, they're really accurate or they have spotters. And if you kill the spotters, they stop shooting at you or oh, they become be super fun. inaccurate. N- yeah, that would be fun. No, they uh, just are zeroed in on your position and every 10 to 15 seconds they shoot at you. And so that means the only way to do the mission is is to play a relatively fast mech, otherwise you can't dodge, and you'll be picked apart by the artillery before you can get close enough to destroy it. Beeline for the artillery positions, because you get like, you know, oh, we scouted out these artillery positions, go check over here to find the artillery. Destroy the artillery, and then do the rest of the mission and hope that you didn't get so shredded that you can actually complete it. And you you do get reinforcements if you destroy the secondary targets, And then the reinforcements can help you capture the main objective, and that that's fun the first time you do it. You're like, oh, this is really intense, like trying to figure out the artillery patterns. And then like you realize, like, ah, shit, this is exactly the same every time, (laughs) and the only thing that changes is the layout of the map, or maybe the biome. It's terrible. I hate that mission type. I avoid them at all costs. The only time I do them is there's a couple that are that are baked into some of the hero quests where you have to do a couple of them. And then if there's a really, really, really lucrative multi-mission contract that has one in it, I am I might do it. But otherwise, they suck. That artillery is brutal. And because there's no way to deal with it any other way other than just making a beeline for the artillery, it, it just is boring. Occasionally, you'll spawn... <laughs> Because it's random, occasionally you'll spawn right on top of the artillery and you kill it, and then the missions are kind of fun because you've got multiple objectives to hit, and it's yeah you, know, you know, spawn they,
1: it's up right
0: yeah it's like what up artillery pieces bitch you blow them up um but the missions would be fun with dynamic targets and um you know targets being added sometimes halfway through the mission and getting reinforcements called in to help you and you know it's neat it does feel like an actual war zone. And that's neat. But, you know, the, sort of the gaminess of how the artillery works just makes it suck. So, they suck. Overall, Don't they worry. Suck.
1: I'm sure that there's a mod that will fix it eventually.
0: Probably. Um, speaking of mods, so, because I'm playing it on the Epic Store, there's just, like, a, an integrated mods folder. And it's got, like, a mod manager. Like, the, the game has a mod manager built into it. Um, because they they totally expect modders to fix this game. 100% you know, they definitely expect modders to fix all this game shortcomings. And apparently they've got from from like the community, apparently they've got really good support for modders answering questions and helping them out and stuff. And they've even pushed they even pushed some of their like big mods, like MercTech and um um mech commander mercenaries or whatever they call it, like the big total conversion mod. Like they even pushed those. One of them they, they talked about the Met Commander mod at E three um in, in the interview that they did for for Mecha Warrior 5. So, yeah, you know, we they can't believe totally, just
1: how much people are fixing our shitty game.
0: Yeah, they totally are expecting the modders to do that. Oh, yeah, um, also
1: known as the Bethesda approach.
0: Generally speaking, there are mods that fix pretty much any problem you have with the game. The Heroes of the Sphere DLC changed a bunch of stuff. I don't I don't pretend to understand all of this. It changed something under the hood that broke everything every single mod that it was in existence and some of the really big mods have been discontinued because they were years of work that would be really hard to re-implement and these are people you know who have jobs and lives and you know can't dedicate all that time to going in and fixing them and so some of the biggest and best mods that you know people recommend like every time you go look on the subreddit it's like oh what mods should i use it's like ah oh, these don't they're broken now and and might never be fixed the um a lot of the smaller ones that fix stuff, like there's the Better Spawns mod that makes um that cuts down on vehicles, focuses more on mechs, has everything come in via dropship. One of the best mods. Must have, no matter what, if you're gonna play this game, must have mod. Um they fix that one, works great, fixes the spawn stuff way better. There's one called the Coyote Mission Pack, which adds basically copies of the missions from Battletech. Um, there's an attack and defend mission. There are a couple of like patrol missions, um, which are which are kind of fun. Those are kind of randomized, and you you know quote unquote go on a patrol around a map and have to deal with randomized threats. And that one's actually kind of fun. We're, you know, that's I think procedural generation done in a good way. Um, it doesn't feel samey. There's some others, um, like a uh, what do they call it? Battle space, where it's like you drop into an active war zone and you know, whatever side you drop in on is, is the one that you're helping. And it's like a huge fucking scrum. Like 20, 30 mechs and tanks and, and VTOLs from both sides. And you have to get in there and help your side achieve victory. Um, sort of the most simple one, like kill everything and don't die is the mission objective, but it, it's really chaotic and it can play out drastically differently. Like if you drop in around a city versus if you you're in like a, maybe a volcanic map or something pretty cool, then that's a mod. Um, some other smaller mods that I'm using to tweak stuff. There's one that's called like advanced zoom, the, the zoom in, in MechWarrior is pathetic. A two-time zoom is useless for long-range weapons. You're guessing it with anything other than missiles beyond, like, 500 meters. And this adds a four-times and an eight-time zoom. Mwah. Another must-have mod. <clears throat> um, I'm using a couple of mods that tweak the, uh, like, the cost of things. Um, that just make it cheaper to jet around from system to system. Because you do spend a lot of time just... You know, tootling around the galaxy looking for hero quests and discovering things makes it cheaper to do that. So it doesn't bankrupt you at the beginning of the game. Um, I'm, I, I've tried it a couple of times. It's still in early days. The MercTech mod is the last like massive, you know, conversion mod that exists that's being actively worked on. But, you know, it, it basically, they had to start from square one and they're rebuilding the mod. So there's lots of stuff that's still broken and, um, is, is really buggy and but that's the one I'm, I'm most excited for whenever they get it worked on because it they're they're a, a mod that allows you to do things like change your mech chassis out like you know and engine types and gives it the actual like system for how you uh refit your mechs. basically it's the mech bay overhaul and then just makes the game look really cool and playable so excited for that I mean, I, I have enjoyed my time more with it now than I did before. But it, this is still very much going to be like a, you know, work in progress, go back to it kind of thing. Check on the mods. When the mods are just right, play it. Like Battletech, while I would ha- probably be hard-pressed to play Battletech without some of the big mods now, because I'm so used to them and how good they are, the base Battletech game is still good. MechWarrior 5 is... Yeah. <laughs> eh. And then the mods make it eh. acceptable. Right. And and because I'm such like a diehard fan, I'm like, I haven't had Mech Warrior in forever. I guess I'm going to have to live with this. Which is exactly but, like,
1: what I'm, they uh, want the modding community to uh, latch on to, right?
0: Yep. And I'm I'm I've donated to the uh, the guys making the Merc Tech mod. Donated some money to them. Um they definitely deserve it. They're making the game. I gave them more money than I gave, uh, what is it, PGI? Whatever, the, the developer of, of MechWarrior 5. I paid the MercTech developer more money than I paid for MechWarrior 5 in the DLC. <laughs> so, the other game I played this past week is uh, Starship yeah, Corporation. Well, well, I was going to say, eh, I think I'll oh.
1: stick with uh, Battletech.
0: Yeah. Well, well, or sp-
1: actually, probably stick with RimWorld. Because, hey, That's I bad. got my RimWorld saved back now.
0: Woo! Woo. The uh, the other game I played this week was Starship Corporation, which I have played before and talked about on the show before, but it's been two or three years at least, maybe longer.
1: Yeah, this is one uh, I played when it was back at Alpha, when back when Desura was a thing, and it wasn't just a portal to various Flash games. Turns out, by yeah. the way, Desura's back on sorta.
0: This, that This is also when I played this. Um, Played it, uh... Yeah, when it was still in alpha. And I liked it then. You know, it had promise. I think I paid 15 or $20 for it. Um, I, I, I enjoyed my time with it. It was kind of buggy. It crashed more frequently than I would like. I was like, okay, I'm going to put this away for a while, and I'll come back to it. And honestly, I kind of forgot about it. Um, and I saw the DLC for it um, on on the Steam sale. You know, it flashed up on my, you know, front page. I was like, oh, yeah, Starship Corporation. It's been a few years. You know, looks like the game has released. The DLC is, like, two bucks. I'll pick up the DLC and play that. And it's been really, really good. Um, You wouldn't know it if you went and looked on the discussion page. People are bitching, like, crazy about this game. And I don't know if I, like... Usually, when it comes to this sort of thing, I feel like I'm like the unlucky one who everyone's having a good time and my game is like fucking broken and doesn't work for some weird hardware compatibility issue reason. But I haven't had any problems and people keep talking about how the game was abandoned and it was actually never finished and it feels like a finished game to me. Um,
1: Well, this is one of those games that they promised. uh, They they did the Star Citizen thing of promising way too much, but they didn't have uh, nearly the bankroll.
0: I see. Starship Corporation is is basically three. There's three parts to it. There's sort of the overworld company management aspect, where that you have a, a galaxy map, and you there are star systems that you can uh, build shipyards in. And when you have a shipyard in a star system, you can accept contracts and missions for that system, or jobs really. They're not missions, jobs, contracts, and jobs. And and the contracts to to build. Ships for people range from everything to build us, like, a really simple, cheap shuttle for, like, in-system use to build us a fucking, like, galaxy exploration craft to, you know, travel around the star system, and you can spend, you know, less than a 100,000 credits, which is, like you know, the cheapest hull with like the cheapest equipment for basic mission stuff, like a hundred thousand credits in game up to things that cost millions and millions of credits for, you know, galaxy exploring or like mega mining vessels or stuff like that, you know, things that like in, in, in sort of the lore are like, oh yes, this ship is intended to operate on its own for years, you know, so it needs to be over-engineered and capable to handle every situation and have enough supplies to last, you know, for five or six years or whatever. Um, so, you know, you, you take these contracts, you can do jobs. Um, you, you have your own ships that you can manage to do things like go mining, which the, you don't really get any resources. It's just, everything is for cash. So you can go mine on your own for cash. You can take jobs to clean up, you know, asteroid fields that are blocking like transport lanes, um, or space debris. You can take missions to go fight pirates. Um, you can do surveys, uh, salvaging operations. You know, you just take on a v- variety of missions. Um, and you start with a, a couple of ships to do some really basic stuff and sort of kickstart you in the game. And then you can build your own ships. Um, and starting out, you'll probably build cheap, specialized ships. And then I'm kind of at the point in my playthrough where that I'm building larger, multi-purpose ships and just fielding a fleet of these and sending them around the galaxy. That way, any ship can do basically any job, um, except for some very specialized stuff. The DLC adds cruise ships. Um... Which, you know, basically they become contracts that you can fulfill for cruise ships for, you know, building ships for for these contracts. Or you can build your own cruise ships and then basically launch them as party barges and have them float through space, earning you money in the casino all the time. You know, you put a bunch of casinos on there and you'll earn a shitload of money. Um, So that's that's one part of the game. There's also, you know, if you go too far into the negative, you, you know, you default and you lose the game if you play the the story mode, you've got a couple of goals that you need to achieve in order to win the game. Um, and then you can just play in a sandbox mode where you play for as long as you want to, with no goals other than don't go bankrupt. Um, the second part of the game, which is where the heart of the game is, is the ship design aspect of the game. And if you look on the store page, you can see tons of, of screenshots of, you know, ship layouts and, um, decks and placing down rooms and things like that. Um, there's a number of hulls. Each hull has their own sort of strengths and weaknesses and sizes. And, um, you know, you, you you design a ship either based on contract specification or something for yourself. Like, you pick a hull, and then you design the internal layout of the ship. Um, and you need to obviously take into account, like, what is the purpose of this ship? Is it a mining ship? Okay, well, I need to focus a lot more of the internal stuff to support mining. Is it a transport? Well, it needs to have more cargo space. Is it a military vessel? You know, hangar bays and weapons and shielding and, you know, etc. And um, some contracts are, are very lenient and you only need to complete a few basic tasks and you're good to go. And you can kind of do whatever else you need to do to just make the ship work. Some contracts are very specific. They want, you know, it, this ship must include this list of modules. And it can be really difficult if they want a bunch of stuff on a small hull or they can be easy if they don't have too very you know too many requirements on a larger one sometimes you get a lot more freedom of, like, you know, the only thing you're working towards is, like, you have to hit a certain budget target. Um, so the cost of the ship has to be, say, less than 500,000 credits, but it also needs to meet these requirements. And so there's there's a lot of challenge that comes into play in that aspect. Um, and as you research and unlock new technologies, um, certain things become easier, certain things become harder. The newer technologies tend to be less space-intensive, but you know, actual physical space, the, you know, the internal volume of your ship. It doesn't need as much, but they're more expensive. Things like that. Or Shit require that, more like, power, if I recall correctly from the demo. Yes, or they will require more power or more cooling um, or more crew. Uh, and, and you know, sometimes an employer only wants to field a ship that, you know, because crew is like a cost. So, you know, sometimes they'll want to field a ship with minimal cl- crew. So, you know, there's, there's, a lot of stuff that that goes into that and it's um if you just start building willy-nilly you're never going to hit whatever your targets are you have to kind of get into a rhythm and yeah it's uh, almost like a puzzle game it is it is very much like a puzzle game especially on some of the very specific contracts when you're just designing something for yourself you can pretty much just do whatever you want you know with no requirements um and you can make it easy on yourself by picking like you know, a bigger hull and just spending more money on that. And then you have freedom to do whatever you want. So it's, that's, that's the most fun part for me. I can design, I've gotten to the point where that I can design something simple in 15 or 20 minutes, but sometimes designing a ship will take an hour to an hour and a half of like designing it, testing it, which is sort of the third part of the game. I'll, you know, talk about in a minute, seeing where it's failed areas where I need to improve, going back, doing some redesigns, retesting, And I realize that that probably sounds boring to a lot of people. I Uh, love that shit.
1: This is uh, a game very much for tinkerers uh, or someone that, uh, you know, has a real hard on for sci-fi spaceships because a lot of it is putting down like sections of corridor and figuring out the best way for crew to uh, manage the ship as well because that's the thing is that. You're not just building the systems of the ship. You also have to build the crew quarters. You have to build uh, uh, how the crew lives and breathes. So you have to consider all of that as well, or at least the version I played ages
0: ago. Nope. That's the way it still is. Um, And I love that. And that gets to the third part. So you have to, all of the ships get given ratings based on testing that you have to do. They have added an auto test function Um which performs better in certain tasks and performs worse in others. I tend to just do that. I don't like to do the manual sort of mission testing all that much, but essentially you, once you've designed a ship blueprint that is viable, you know, either it's just functioning, you know, you've got all the basics you need to make the ship function or it meets the contract specifications. Then you have to test it and you have to get a certain number of score. There's sort of standard operating procedure, Emergency procedures and then combat procedures, and there are multiple tests for each category that the ship gets scored in. And you might need to get forty points in standard operation, fifty points in emergency um, operation, and ten in combat. You know, maybe the ship isn't combat focused, um, but you still need to be able to maybe repel borders or something like that, or
1: run or survive enough to run away.
0: Right. And so, um, you can either auto test all of these and it'll, you know, based on sort of the paper specs, um, give you a score. And a lot of times that's good enough for the basic contracts. If you, you know, over-engineer the ships a little bit, you really get your, you know, quarter optimization correct. And, you know, maybe up tier some equipment that you wouldn't have to otherwise to get that, you know, sort of on paper boost, you can get through those no problem and you just sort of lose a little money on the back end. I tend to do that. I don't like this part of the game very much. I mean, it's fine. Basically what it is is sort of like um, it's a top-down, um, you know, real-time strategy type thing where you have to run these scenarios and manage your crew. So if you've got, you know, four pilots and four technicians and two security officers and a medic, you have to use those crew members to complete whatever the scenario is. And there's basic ones like, you know, the ship has to function for 10 minutes without falling apart, you know, basic operating procedure all the way up to like, hey, you're under attack by a superior enemy force survive for as long as you can take as many of them with you as you can, you know, and you would be able to do that better than the, the simulation that runs um, and can, so you, you know, you can squeeze a few points out to, to get a ship to pass inspection where that the auto play thing wouldn't um but I tend to just use the auto play thing I like to make up for any issues in the actual design itself as opposed to relying on my own skill to to make it work now, right. I can't
1: recall if it was real time with pause or full on real time
0: um it's uh, it's real time with pause you can pause uh to issue commands
1: okay uh like I said I only got to really play the the alpha so yeah
0: Yeah, but, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. The things that people are complaining about the most on the forum is that mining is broken, but it's not unless I've got some kind of unicorn build where that mine wasn't broken and everyone else is. I just think nobody reads the manual for this game. Um, They think that I, I think people think that you can mine the asteroid fields and you can't. And I think that's kind of dumb. I think you should be able to, but you have to use scanners, uh, ship scanners to find resource rich areas and mine them. And they show up differently on the map. Um, one of the screenshots actually that's got a, the first one that has like a view of the galaxy map, I think. Hang on. Yeah, it's like one of the, it's one of the images in the middle, but it, you can, you can see on the map, there's red dots, orange dots, and yellow dots. And red dots are, are, Enemy activity. Orange dots are uh, asteroid fields that don't have resources, and then yellow dots are asteroid fields that do have resources. And you just pull a mining ship up to one of the yellow regions and mine till your heart's content. So I, I don't, I don't think people read the manual because the game's tutorials are shit. But it has a full, like I think it's like thirty or forty pages, like PDF manual. You can access in the game files. Yeah, I
1: really feel uh, like that is a bit much, huh?
0: Yeah. But I mean, it's a really complex game. Like, I, you know, I have sort of really simplified it when talking about it. But I mean, you have to manage, when you're building these ships, you have to manage air, fuel, power, water. And um, also,
1: uh, you have to line things up because uh, you're building across several decks and sometimes uh, components. uh, or at least once again, alpha build uh take up room on multiple decks, like a reactor might take up uh room on the deck above it.
0: yes, there are not as many components that do that, I think as did in the early build, but there are still opponent components that span multiple decks, and so you have to plan ahead for that um. And you have to plan ahead, for example, if you want to store your fuel on one deck and have your thrusters on another deck. Like, you have to plan for that. And you have to route, um, you know, essentially, like, piping through your ship to make sure that the fuel gets to the deck with the engines. Otherwise, your engines don't have any fuel. You you have to to plan for stuff like that.
1: And also, you have to plan for maintenance, you know, if uh, something gets damaged. Well... If you hid everything in inaccessible corridors, well, right?
0: Yeah, you need to make sure you have good access to places and you want to actually use the corridors versus just, like, stacking everything and using hatches because people move slower through rooms than they do through corridors because the corridors are, you know, empty corridors where people can move. And, I mean, you can bury stuff, you know, like on small ships, you don't really have much of a choice, but especially on larger ships where they might have to go you know, from the the aft of the ship forward, you know, to the forward of the ship, and the ship is a kilometer long, and also they need to go up three decks. Like, if yeah, you don't no. have a good series of, of elevators, staircases, and and corridor access, like, you'll, you know, your ship's fucked.
1: Yeah, which that's something else is, you know, stairs versus elevators, so if the power goes out, at least, yeah, once you get early builds.
0: Yeah. Yep. I usually put an emergency generator and... and make it power only the elevators. Um, cause you can, you can do that. You can separate power grids. You can separate water grids. You can separate air grids. Um, you can't separate fuel, but, um, you know, you can separate those into sort of primary, secondary, tertiary, and I'll usually stick a tertiary power plant that runs only the elevators so that if, you know, the ship gets, you know, hardcore fucked, the crew can still get around as quickly as possible. Even if that means they're getting the escape pods, mm-hmm. Or at least the escape pod, you know, let them fight it out, right? <laughs> right. I, I use I usually use lifeboats. Um, that was an addition from the DLC, uh, and lifeboats can carry twenty people. No, thir- thirty people. It's twenty or thirty people in a lifeboat, um, and they take up the same less space than two escape pods because you have to. Sp- you have to space rooms out. You can't have rooms touching. They have to be connected by hatches or corridors. Um, I'm not sure why that's the case, but, you know, that's sort of a, a design or like, you know, a gameplay limitation that sort of forces you to, to think about your layouts a lot more carefully in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. And a, and a, um, a lifeboat is a two by four, whereas escape pods are two by two. But because you have to put a space between the escape pods, they wind up taking two by five. Mm-hmm. So more people... In less space.
1: But probably more expensive, and right?
0: It is more expensive. It, it kind of depends. But a lot of times, um, you know, the extra uh, thousand credits or so is not as big of a deal as, as that space savings. Because usually, I mean, <laughs> from a uh, safety and survivability standpoint, you know, hiding away your escape vehicles... Um, you know, whichever ones you pick in like corners or like shoving them in random places where nothing else would fit would be, would be bad. You want them easily accessible for crew safety, but, uh, you know.
1: But you're not, a uh, lot of, but you're not on that ship. You don't
0: care. I'm not on that ship. I don't care. Uh, you're
1: you're taking the white, white star approach. Uh, you know, one lifeboat's going up for a crew of a, a thousand.
0: <laughs> That's right. I want to make sure that I get that extra casino on board. So that means the lifeboats, they got to be shoved in the corner beyond the behind the fusion reactor. Hope that shielding has been maintained.
1: Yeah, it turns, so, out, yeah. It turns out, you know, yeah, didn't really do that many uh, lifeboats if, you know, everybody drops
0: dead of radiation poisoning on the way to them. Absolutely. So yeah, Starship Corporation is an excellent A++ game. I mean, it's on sale right now. Uh, yeah, you can get the base game and DLC right for like... <laughs> Yeah, you get the base game and the DLC for like six bucks. Um, also, I haven't experienced any crashing issues, um, so they seem to have fixed that. I I've, I've played it both on my laptop and my desktop, so two very different hardware configurations, and no crashing issues at all. It's a very tiny game. I would recommend putting it on an SSD. It's got you've, there's a lot of loading, and it, it takes it a minute to save and update your your ship blueprints. So. I, it's worth it to have it on an SSD compared to a, a hard disk, but otherwise, yeah, great game. Really enjoy it. Super cheap right now. Worth the the six bucks for for the base game and the DLC. Although honestly, just the base game is you know great on its own. The DLC adds you know, like I said, the cruise ship hulls and a whole bunch of, of equipment that's related to those. Um, it doesn't add any. As far as I know, it doesn't add anything additional to the base stuff. It's its own separate systems and equipment and very rarely do the designs even give you an opportunity to intermingle the lifeboats can be used most of the time instead of escape pods and then there's a couple of things you can add uh from the cruise ships to non-cruise ships that give you like a big boost in crew morale and can give your ship like a higher rating if you need to hit a higher rating Uh, oh yes the
1: the casino on the manning ship (laughs) right
0: (laughs) 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 yeah no, the one thing that I did put on the mining ship was, um, it's called an auto galley. And it's like a, just a nicer place to get food that's ran by robots, so you don't actually have to use any of the the special crew. Well, uh, unless, I mean, they're just, they're uh, until stewards. there's a the
1: robot uprising, and then whew.
0: That's one of the things you have to test against is a robot uprising on your ship, and you can get synthetic crew members just like um, an alien. Like, that's sort of what they what they sa- sound like. They're like the, the synthetic crew from the Alien series. Um, I haven't used any of them yet. I haven't really had a reason to.
1: Uh, if I recall correctly, once again, from uh, Beta or Alpha, is that they really only require power, and they don't require really anything else. So if I recall correctly, one of the at least uh, Alpha scenarios... Uh, was a uh, essentially an autonomous ship uh, with synthetic crew
0: yeah i the, I've seen a contract pop up for that, but it was at a, earlier in the game and I didn't have the synthetic crew researched i uh, you, i mean you 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 technically you don't have to do research you can just buy all of your technology but it costs a lot more than investing in r and d and you direct how much money you put into the different categories for r and d and synthetic crew I put them like near the bottom of the list to research research like all the hulls and engine and power technology and stuff first. That was sort of my, my goals. But anyways, I have talked about both of these games for far longer than I intended to. So let's, um let's go ahead and move, move on to our technically sole news topic, <laughs> just because yeah. of the way we divide the show. But the first of the news topics we're going to talk about this week, which is um, Todd Howard saying, it's good to think of elder school six as still in the design phase.
1: Uh, now, mind you, they teased this game three years ago.
0: Yep. At E3 in 2018.
1: hmm uh, If this is not an argument for games are teased way too early, then I don't know what is. Right?
0: Yeah. And I'm okay with games <laughs> taking a long time to develop. That's fine. Yeah, Big but games... you don't
1: have to tell me about it. Uh, or, okay, right. Or, or how about this? Say we're working on the next Elder Scrolls. Don't put out a teaser trailer, Right.
0: Yeah, because a teaser trailer implies you get a teaser trailer this year, you get a full trailer next year, and then the next year you get a game. That's the implication. But instead, it was teaser trailer for Elder Scrolls Six, and then radio silence for Until Now. Which is just frustrating. It's, it sucks.
1: Yeah, and, and it, uh, it, it sound, a lot of this sounds like partly uh, it's Starfield's fault. That, uh, yeah, Starfield's taking longer than they anticipated, and also... For some reason, they didn't foresee Fallout seventy six flopping like it did. Because honestly, outside of just a handful of really diehard people, I don't really hear anybody praising Fallout seventy six these days. I'm not sure yeah. if it's just yeah being uh, yeah uh, on that yeah enthusiast level or what, but right.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think very many people like Fallout seventy six. The, the best I've heard about it is, like, finally, after all of their updates and, like, I don't know, DLC or expansion or whatever you want to call it, the the best I've heard is, like, yeah, it's, it's like a slightly worse version of Fallout 4 now.
1: Yeah, which I think they were expecting to be able to sell those and not put them out as free updates, personally. Yeah. So, I think they
0: expected to as well.
1: So you're kind of compounding a lot of issues in... And we also have to throw, you know, the big elephant in the room in the pandemic, you know, it definitely would have slowed, uh, uh, game development, especially in the early stages where it's, you know, a lot of design work uh, and there's a lot of design work. We, we joke about how Elder Scrolls and Fallout is a lot of copying and paste, which it is, uh, but there's still a lot of design work and a lot of stuff behind the scenes to, you know, be able to put all the, uh, uh, soulless uh, procedural generation into a game. What, what, did I say that one out loud? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, it's just I, it, it kind of boggles the mind that it's that far, or that far out, but at the same time, it's Todd Howard. So, right. Although right. there um, and, oh, let's go ahead and just read the quote. Uh, it's good to think of Elder Scrolls 6 as still being the design phase, but we're checking the tech. Is it going to be able to handle the things we want uh, in that game? Every game we uh, have some new uh, suites of technology. So Elder Scrolls 6 will have some additions to the creation engine too. Uh, that that game is going to require. So yeah, it sounds like they really don't know where they're going with this in general, honestly. Or they're still in like this exploratory phase of trying to figure out literally everything about it and trying to figure out what let's be perfectly clear here where the consoles will limit or limit it right
0: yep for sure um with each these
1: with each new console cycle we evolved together howard said of bethesda and xbox uh from bringing mods to consoles with fallout 4 as in selling mods uh, and now over a billion downloads to the latest technologies fueling the Xbox Series X slash S. These new systems are optimized for the vast worlds we love to create, with generational leaps not just in graphics, but CPU and data streaming as well. It's led to our largest engine overhaul since Oblivion, which all new technologies powering our first uh, new IP in 25 years, Starfield, as well as fall- as uh, Elder Scrolls Six. so... It sounds more and more, uh, they were able to, or some things about the newer Xbox as well, caught them off guard with Starfield, which might slowed things down as well. Mind you, Starfield still no, and no information on what the hell the game actually
0: is, right? Nope, not unless something's come out since E3 that we just have missed.
1: Because all it was was an in-engine trailer with literally no gameplay or even gameplay scenarios. It all all just looked like cutscene to me.
0: yeah. Or, at best, like, wow, pretty graphics, cool. Yeah, which which, is, you know, nice, but I want the game to be good.
1: Uh, Ugh, I mean, it's Todd Howard being Todd Howard, pretty much. I mean, at least one bonus is that we'll be able to play it with Game Pass, right? Because that's the only way I'm going to be playing Elder Scrolls anytime soon. If Skyrim and what they did with the Fallout series is anything to go by.
0: I'm briefly scrolling through, um, an article on PC Gamer that came out uh, a couple of weeks ago, so right after E3. Mm-hmm. Um, so just skimming through, give me some some highlights or some bullet points. Starfield is going to be a sci-fi RPG. Oh, there's a um, shock! Sci-fi
1: and an RPG. <laughs> Next thing you're right. going to tell me, there's uh, there's
0: stars. In the star field,
1: or, or perhaps a spaceship.
0: Indeed. Um, let's see. mmm uh, so I got I got sci-fi RPG. I gave you that one. They're they're kind of restating that through this. Uh, looks like it's they're going to follow. I mean, it, the the gist of what this article it's still pretty sparse, but the gist of if what this article is saying is that it's going to be a Bethesda style space you know sci-fi rpg you know where you've got that's... got a ship and you travel to different planets
1: uh so basically freelancer but shittier i mean you did say Bethesda maybe
0: style yeah maybe no 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 you no, can get I... out of your ship and freelancer well uh, tr- true but uh you yeah
1: freelancer is also 20 years old
0: wait 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 it's go- It's- <laughs> starfield is gonna beat star citizen to the punch <laughs> Oh, God. What what hasn't these days, though?
1: That's <laughs> uh, true. Uh, but,
0: okay, okay, I figured it out. Okay.
1: Starfield is going to be a freelancer, but require mods to actually fix the game.
0: So, freelancer?
1: Uh, No, uh, Starfield require mods to fix the game to actually put some of the promised features into it.
0: I, I know, but freelancer basically requires mods to, to, well, to play and, and thoroughly enjoy. Well,
1: so, play in this day and age, yeah, but remember, also, 20-year-old game.
0: I know, but even in ye olden days, like, the base game was, eh, okay.
1: Well, that's what I'm expecting from Starfield. Eh, okay.
0: Fair play. Fair play. Anyways, I mean, yes, I mean, this is all, you know, l- let's be real. This is all about, like, this weird bullshit hype cycle that AAA companies tried to create around video games. I mean, AAA triple a that only that ultimately only re- leads to disappointment hurt feelings negative pr and fake apologies but they keep getting away with it so they keep doing it
1: you forgot one thing and buckets of loads of uh, cash for the company because of pre-orders right because people either don't learn or they just get new suckers
0: yep I mean, I'm not going to... Uh, obviously, I'm not going to pre-order this. I don't pre-order yeah. games. I haven't pre-ordered a game in, like, a decade now. Well, but I'm not going to buy it well, until it comes out and I get a chance to look well, at there's it. there's one
1: game I'm going to break the pre-order a code on. But it's a gift for uh, Anita. So, kind of have to with a physical copy. Because it's go- coming out on her birthday. So, right,
0: Right. Fair enough. I'll, you can You can have one freebie you know, we're at the start of a new decade, so you can have your one for this decade. Well,
1: the decade is still young, so mm.
0: <laughs> But anyways, you know, I'm I'm and I'm not going to pre-order Elder Scrolls 6 if it comes to fruition. At this point, it's if. Yeah. I mean, I it's no, it no, feels no, I, I, likely I think, since Microsoft owns Bethesda. Yeah, but. I think
1: it's going to happen just because the Elder Scrolls is still printing money. I mean, just look at how much money Skyrim made them,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Even after and- all the clusterfuckery of the pre or, or the, uh, yeah, uh, the selling of mods uh, and various things over the years and the, the, the joke of uh, it's really on everything. Well, they did that because they, you know, got people that double, tripled, quadrupled, dri- dipped. So, of course, yeah, they're going to laugh at it, but yeah, it's still made them money.
0: Yeah. Elder Scrolls Online is still going pretty strong, too. I mean, it's not, you know, it's it's not like, you know, doing what you would think of as, like, gangbusters. But that game, well, from what I can see from the community and sort of stuff that I see, you know, releases and stuff put out, like, that game continues to earn a steady amount of income. Which, you know, it's in the black.
1: Which, honestly, with how the MMO market is these days, I think that's, you know, uh, like, the best case scenario. You know, yeah, a, a stable but strong community because uh, when was the last time we saw a major MMO come out? Thinking about it,
0: right? Long time. Sort of an MMO in the classic sense? Yeah, in the classic oh, sense. Man. Not,
1: you know, uh, uh, not essentially mobile game ported to PC. You know, uh, like, uh, for better or worse, uh, Genshin Impact would be a good example of that.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm also thinking of things like you know Fortnite, which aren't traditional MMOs, but the way that that game has evolved and the way that Epic tries to market it certainly has some MMO aspects to it. Um, but in, in the traditional sense, God, um, yeah, I'm successful MMOs that have lasted the test of time that I know about: World of Warcraft, Eve Online, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy. Um, Final Fantasy fourteen. That actually might be the most recent one. Yeah, I'm just in MMO I'm, the I'm, classic I'm, sense. I'm looking
1: at uh, new upcoming MMO RPGs, and it's listing things like Eve, <laughs> which right, probably their next expansion. Yeah, all right, MMO release dates. This ought to be a good one. Yeah.
0: That sort of classic MMO release and subscription model is, I mean, not dead, but much, much, much harder to make work now. I
1: mean, a lot of these
0: are MMO esque
1: like uh a good example of this would be like Riders republic which is um let's see which one is this i think this is the just generic uh extreme sports ones uh think of it ubisoft uh, taking on steep once again only general extreme sports instead of uh, winter extreme sports stuff like that is popping up more than you know traditional mmorpg which i guess that's kind of uh where we need to look at it too the distinction between MMO and MMORPG because technically Battle Royale, MMO. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Because one of these is uh, uh, Animal Royale, which is a new Battle Royale game because of course it is. Or uh, League of Legends uh, Wild Rift which is a a new version of League of Legends but it looks like uh, essentially League of Legends uh, on fast forward. Uh, Path of Exile 2, There's a, probably a good example. Uh, that's due to release next year at some point. Not traditional, but eh, right. Yeah. Um, why is that showing up on this? Dragon Quest Ten is showing up here for some reason.
0: Maybe it's an MMO. I don't know. I don't. I've not played much of the Dragon Quest series,
1: uh, instead of
0: Dragon Quest Builders and a couple of the older ones.
1: Yeah, it's a MMO built in the Dragon Quest uh, universe. I didn't know that they were releasing an MMO. So there's your traditional MMO, sorted sorcery too. But you got stuff like Escape from Tar- uh, Targoff, technically Fall Guys. <laughs> yeah, there's a name I haven't seen in a while. H one Z one, right? Yep. So there, are the traditional MMO RPG, high fantasy, or I should say. MMORPG because stuff like um, uh, Anarchy Online you know, was in the sci-fi realm, that sort of thing. Uh, it, it just fantasy was kind of like the default setting.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, There's still okay. some coming out, but they are fewer and far between. That's just upcoming. Uh, scrolling back, uh, World of Warships uh, Legends uh, came out in August of last year. It looks like it's, uh, oh, it looks like that's the console release. That's a game that's probably frustrating to play on console, huh? Yeah. Unless there's a lot of auto aim. Uh, DayZ officially uh, released uh, last year, or not, sorry, t- 2019. 2020 was actually a really light year on releases. There's a shock, huh? Call of Duty Warzone technically in this because of Battle Royale. Fall, uh, out 76 Wastelanders technically, right? Yep. So, yeah, the MMO market is there. It's just, it feels like it's withered compared to what it was. Possibly just because of just how much more of a niche it is, and how much, uh, or, or also probably just because World of Warcraft has kind of eaten up a good portion of this market. So, it's really hard to try to buy into, yeah, this. Area because, you know, you're competing against World of Warcraft and not many people want to these days. Not that yeah. you could exactly blame them.
0: And most that try go the free-to-play route, where that they try to support themselves off of microtransactions which as goes, opposed to subscription models. Which goes
1: more and more into uh, MMO uh, uh, on mobile-esque stuff. Like Genshin Impact yeah. has like 20 different currencies that you could get, which... It's fun to play, but at the same time, it's frustrating to try to figure out.
0: Yeah. I think I might get back into Star Trek Online. I've said that a couple of times, but Star Trek just kind of keeps ticking because it's, the only, <laughs> it's the, the only Star Trek game in town. Pretty much. So, it, I mean, honestly, it I'm surprised that, drive for a long time. Honestly, I'm surprised that it's doing so
1: well these days. Although, they are getting new lore these days as well through uh, Star Trek Discovery, uh, Picard, yeah, uh, the Star Trek license is actually active, even though, gotta admit, from what I've seen of the, the new Star Trek, I, I I think I actually prefer the new Star Wars, and I fucking hate the new Star Wars.
0: I'm looking forward to Picard season two. I liked I liked the first season of Picard. Uh, I, I'm but d- otherwise, well, yeah.
1: Well, it's, there's a lot of hoops to jump through to watch that, because you have to get yet another streaming service, right? True.
0: Very true. Or you could just pirate it. Yard. Yard.
1: But honestly, what I saw of it in previews, I just didn't even want to bother with it. Just go watch something on Netflix instead. Very true.
0: Alright. Um, yeah, we've gotten so far off of, of, of the topic, <laughs> but I think that we didn't have anything else to say about it. Quit oh, fucking much. showing games until they're closer to being ready to release. We know you won't, but quit. Stop it! Bad, bad companies. Bad.
1: Uh, what, what does Activision have to do with this?
0: <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's move over to our community corner, which is a collection of news topics this week. Um, yeah, uh, have- uh,
1: hopefully this brings us up uh, today date enough that we don't get memed again.
0: Collection. Well, and also there's a lot of memes because I, I I put a memes channel. In,
1: well, I threw uh, I threw a comic in there. It's not me. It's more you.
0: I haven't played Factorio in a while, but still, I'll get back to it right? eventually. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, but uh, I, I really didn't care for Factorio, but I think it's more you know got uh, tried to play it with you, and it's you you went uh, full well uh, full on just a. Uh, Focused on something, it's like, what the fuck am I even supposed to do?
0: Indeed. All right, let's let's uh, let's do our, our news topics that were submitted by the lovely, lovely people on our Discord. Um, we, uh... I think that we've still got a... I, I need to go back and check after this week. We might still have one or two to play catch up on, but... Yeah, but um, I think
1: we could prune if, uh, you know, they're really not relevant these days.
0: Yeah, well, but the first one... Yeah. First one is, uh, this one was actually sent to us by Jim last week while we were recording. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sniper Ghost Warriors press event made me pretend to kill Arabs, and I hated it.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, this mi- Talk about tone death, huh?
0: Yeah, this made the rounds on um, Reddit and Twitter, and uh, Jim submitted us, I, I think, the Reddit. Yeah, the Reddit post. The Reddit post. Yeah, I actually skipped the, over the this at first, article in but it.
1: I did go back and read it. It just... Whew. Yeah.
0: When, when I first saw it on Reddit, I mean, I really did, like, skip through it. Like, you know, in my head, this this goes one of two ways. Either the, the journalist is making a big deal about something for, you know, clickbait purposes, or the company that put it on was super fucking racist and insensitive. Well, and either way, I wouldn't be surprised about either outcome. And I just kind of go past those these days for my yeah. own brain sanity.
1: Yeah, I get enough of that bullshit on uh, my Facebook, but considering one of the flags that's flying in this uh, facility, right?
0: Indeed. They had a Trump 2024 flag, and it, it, it was the second one. It was the racist one. The people <laughs> who, who did the event were were, were doing a racist. Um, I'm not going to go into the, the full details of the article. Basically, this... Um, this uh, journalist went to an in-person event, their first one post-COVID, and they showed up. And it, it appears that the event was being run by, at at best, ultra-conservative people, and it le- you know, but at worst, like hardcore like Trump supporters. Um, and you know, they they were flying a Trump twenty twenty four flag. They well, had set up essentially oh, this also, little.
1: Oh, sorry, I was going to say. Uh... There's also the comment that between uh, the the flag and being told that nobody here will be wearing masks, mind right. you, yep, yeah. coming off COVID, and this was last week,
0: right? Yeah, yep. So, um, yeah, COVID's still a thing. Everybody, I, I'm sure our listeners understand that, but and
1: also, it's, COVID exists.
0: COVID exists. It, yeah, Tennessee sucks. <laughs> I, I I made like a little little ranting tweet the other day about about it like Tennessee's sending bunches of their vaccines back to the CDC before they go bad because after our initial push our vaccine rates have like trickled down to almost nothing because you know everybody who either had to get the vaccine or wanted the vaccine got it and that's only like half of the state Tennessee sucks don't come here for, for your own safety
1: well let's see uh My state, uh, I'm trying to find, uh, is sitting at 60.1% vaccine rate. So, yeah, Uh, 936,453 of 1.557 million uh, has gotten at least one shot. And this was as of the 10th, so uh, about three weeks. So I'm not expecting that to tick up much more. And this is also, the governor uh, announced a big lottery to try to convince people to take the vaccine
0: because, right? Yeah. According to this, only 36% of Tennesseans are fully vaccinated, with 42% having received at least one dose. So we didn't even make it to 50%. God, my state sucks. Damn. Anyways, hardcore off-topic. Come, come, talk to me on Discord if you want to hear more of, of my rants about how much my state sucks. They, the, anyways, back to the the article though. Like, yes, they, you know, no masks. Had a Trump, tra- Trump, Trump, br- 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 a Trump flag flying already. I wanted that, and then they had set up like this Middle Eastern like shanty town, and had like decorated it, like quote unquote decorated it with like rotting meat and things like that, and. Um, and-
1: there's a head of some sort, but I'll be damned if I can figure out what that's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I can't tell what that's supposed to be either. Um, It almost looks like a weird alien skull I, I was going to go something. dinosaur. Yeah, well, I could see it, dinosaur it, it, as is, well. Is
1: that supposed to be like we bombed him back to the Stone Age or something? Maybe. It, which, by the way, Stone Age? The Flintstones was I not do. a documentary. I, I know some, there's some uh, people out there that think... Uh, there was uh, Jesus riding on a Velociraptor or something. While
0: interesting, didn't exist. That would be epic if Jesus was riding on a Velociraptor. Well, Velociraptors I mean, one, actually existed, though. I was going to say, for one, that would mean that Jesus existed. And two, that would mean that he was kick-ass.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, uh,
0: in our country, we get supply-side Jesus. Indeed. But, you know, this, this place was set up really gross. They ran... Um, you know, some what what I assume is like some milsim stuff with. Yeah. It, I don't think it said. My assumption is it's like airsoft. Yeah, or something well, like that. no, they actually
1: said it's. Uh, oh, it was I that uh, it was a basically airsoft, not quite. It was. Um, and now I'm. uh now I'm blanking and can't find uh, what the actual gun was, but it was firing firing simulated run, rounds that was essentially airsoft, but not quite. Uh, they, uh, uh well, I'm going to quote what this person said. Uh, the uh, strategic operations facility looked like a set you would see uh, an American sniper, lone survivor, or any other military propaganda film. The streets were paved with dirt, broken down, abandoned vehicles, uh, covered in grime and short featureless huts looked like they were made out of mud. It's the middle East as we've all been shown via Western media a gross twisted doppelganger that doesn't actually represent life in that part of the world at all right
0: yeah i i found it it, it he said it was called simmunition mm-hmm. it says uh, we were just given an M4 rifle converted to fire simmunition which has a similar impact to airsoft and we practice firing them and running various military drills so
1: yeah and i'm just looking at google images and yeah it looks yeah pretty much like an airsoft uh, with a typical bullet casing
0: yeah and i mean this is probably be such lower an easy grain of, as well yeah this would be such an easy event to to do well too it's like you take everybody out to a range you you do some live fire with some actual you know some different sniper rifles mm-hmm. or, or at least scoped weapons you, you know you could use scoped assault rifles and, you know they've got 300 to 500 yard range a lot of them do do some actual rifle shooting. And then you take everybody inside and do like an airsoft match or two. Uh, and like don't forget, food. actually Her-
1: play the game. Have a scheduled time because that's something else. Outside of lunch, they didn't even go in- inside to go to the PCs that were set up to play the game. And they scheduled this after this, uh, the game launched. So the PR, what are you supposed to be doing
0: here? They screw- Yeah, the PR screwed the pooch on that one. But instead of instead of doing something, you know, neat and interesting or even just, like, fun, they they were racist about it. Yeah. And, and apparently the developer of the game issued an apology. Like, that's down at the bottom yeah. of the article. There's a link, you know, the game, CI Games uh-huh. uh, apologizes for insensitive Sniper Ghost Warrior contracts to press event.
1: Yeah, oh, don't forget, they issued the apology JPEG.
0: <laughs> that's right. They did issue the apology JPEG the the bog standard apology.
1: Although gotta admit, uh, it's also hilarious that they got the mall ninja gift bag. Or did you see that one?
0: No, I didn't. They see got that. a gift
1: bag at the end of the end of the day, filled with survival tools: with a fire starter, a rip saw, a compass, a pen that could break glass, and a collapsible baton, just in case we'd like to do some more violence later. Uh, that was just before they, uh, he described the uh, the event photographer, uh, asking uh, them to take a group photo with the role players, which were white guys, dressed up in stereotypical Arab garb, as in, you know, uh, think of pr- pretty much any time you see a sheik or something in, like, mid-80s to 90s uh, movies, uh, that outfit. Yeah. Uh, of them... Uh, in a ro- role facing the role players with their fists raised in anger as the role players were instructed to put their hands in the air and you're like like a jihadist really right
0: yeah on a separate note those those tools actually can come in handy I get that it's like a shitty gift bag, but as someone who lives out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and regularly drives to places in the middle of nowhere, I keep some of that stuff in, in okay. Like there's in a my difference cars, between you know, glove box.
1: There, there's a difference between having those tools as an emergency kit and giving them as a swag for a press event, where yeah, you know, you're shooting fake Arabs and being told how but, they're the bad guys and uh, killed a lot of good Americans. It's just I've realized that sometimes political correctness uh, uh, people uh, calling out political correctness can be tiresome and can seem very petty but this just seems like in bad taste all around yeah
0: yep like i said there there's ways to do this event in a very cool fun way and it seems like they were deliberately being racist
1: or basically the pr company that they hired uh had their agenda and saw it as a way to make money and funnel it to their racist buddies.
0: Yeah, that too. Or, you know, why not both? True. So,
1: yeah. Uh, Pieces of shit all around?
0: Pieces of shit all around.
1: So, speaking of pieces of shit...
0: (laughs) Indeed, GameStop made $1.1 billion selling off its meme stonks.
1: (sighs) Oh, well, I'm... A little surprised it wasn't more, but they also with the way the timing came out, uh didn't make nearly as much as they could have. Right?
0: Yeah. What is I'm, I'm gonna pull up Robin Hood and see what GameStock what what Game is at right now. Let's see. GME GameStop. Right now GameStop is holy fuck, GameStop is trading at two hundred and ten dollars a share right now. Two hundred and ten
1: eighty eight. Uh, and it's down two thirty seven. I mean, if you look at the stock, and it's just what the hell on the like six month, right? Yeah, mind you, uh, it peaked in February at three hundred forty seven and fifty cents or fifty one cents on January twenty seventh, and then peaked again at three twenty five even, and has crashed yeah, right and then gone that. back up and has remained pretty stable above 150. Yeah. With uh some pretty big spikes. Uh, its next biggest spike was in uh early June, uh, just going above 300 before crashing again.
0: Yeah. So I've just stayed out of it. I'm not going gonna... to I'll right now I'll keep to my cryptocurrency I mean, stuff I which mean, has all crashed. if you
1: had if you had the uh, stocks at the first of the year, uh then you know it would be an amazing, or hell, even back when it was
0: like four bucks a share a year
1: ago, right?
0: Yeah. Or even if you fucked up and and you know bought it kind of at one of the the middle points, somewhere in the middle, like you might still be able to make a decent amount if you sold it off right now.
1: Unless you, know, you there bought have been it when plenty
0: it, of times in this.
1: Unless you hot. bought it at the, like the absolute worst time on January twenty seventh.
0: Oh yeah, if you bought it at the peak, you're fucked. But if you bought it, you know, anywhere kind of in the middle, anywhere under 200 bucks, you you could still make some money.
1: Yeah, so uh, they basically uh, ran Operation ATM, <laughs> and that's actually what they called it, the ATM program, to sell off a bunch of their uh, stocks to uh, essentially cash in on the stock being horrendously overpriced for what it is. Yeah, And uh, let's be honest, a lot of this is going to go to their own personal Todd Howard and uh, go to their executives and not actually go into fixing their model and fixing their company or, you know, giving any to their the, employees. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, or, you know, helping the employees. It's all going to be funneled into their pockets. And, you know, this is uh, the you know joke of saving, saving GameStop. You know, it's just making them more money. Yep. Uh, they- have already talked about wanting to uh turn their company from brick and mortar com- uh, uh, from a brick and mortar stores into an online company. And yo, know, I think this is just going to accelerate it really. I
0: that's, mean from a business perspective, that's the right move to make, especially that's what they since they need the, to do to uh, yeah, survive. Especially
1: since the malls are yeah, kind of dead and the you know, the pandemic definitely didn't help that one. But it's more uh, it, This is, yeah, really just funding their transition to make it a lot smoother on them. Which, hey, if you're a fan of GameStop, right? Yeah. As I have a flaw buzzing me. Sorry about the mic hit there.
0: I I never, I can't even tell you the last time I bought anything from GameStop. Uh, It was years ago. I can
1: It was a World of Warcraft time card. (laughs) I haven't played World of Warcraft in like a decade. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, Being a predominantly PC gamer... Uh they had more room dedicated to at the time and this will also date it uh refurbished game cubes than they did uh PC games. Yeah. Their PC uh uh games was essentially World of Warcraft and whatever World of Warcraft killer was out at the time. And uh yeah, digital uh cards for you know various for a few games and you know, currency for like Steam and such, and that was pretty much it.
0: I know what I bought the la- the last thing I bought from GameStop. I had been given some GameStop gift cards by somebody. My parents or grandmother or something. And I, you, you can't use gift cards to buy another gift card. Like, I couldn't buy, like, a Steam gift card from them. So I needed a controller. And this has been three or four years ago. I went in and, and bought a, a controller using my gift cards. And before that, the last thing I bought from gamestop was forza 4. I think like I just I, I, I made the transition to to digital way before it was cool. <laughs> I'm a dig, I'm a hipster, I'm a digital hipster like e- even on even when I was primarily playing on consoles back in you know the early uh 2010s, I was buying exclusively digital games or almost exclusively. Like when it was still really difficult to do that anywhere except on PC. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I made the transition to pretty much digital once I started up with Steam. To be perfectly honest, because, uh, well, at the time I lived down in the middle of nowhere, and I yeah still lived pretty far away from a game store, let alone one that would even carry PC games. Right. Yeah. And you know, I actually have a decent internet connection so I could download it, matter of fact, just for the fun of it. I'm assuming GameStop would be
0: the closest one, but Right? Yeah. There used to be a GameStop in Dayton, but they went out of business years ago.
1: Uh, There's a few uh, in town, but it's, yeah, mostly uh, like music stores that have a a side hustle, right? Yeah. Let's see. The
0: closest GameStop to me... How far away is that? Okay, great. I know that they're closed. It's fucking midnight. 26 miles is how far it is to the closest GameStop location from where I am.
1: Well, let's put it this way: I search video game store,
0: and there's a couple game parlors that show up because you know, right? Yeah. So there's a a local games shop in town that does tabletop stuff and um like used games, things like that.
1: Yeah. See, if I wanted to do tabletop, uh, you know, I'd have to go like all the way down to South Charleston, which sounds uh, doesn't sound like far, but it's you know like. Uh, A good 45 minute car ride Right? Yeah Uh, There's Looks like some sort of Retro game store Uh, But It's hard to tell if that's An actual store Or somebody's uh, You know Home business Because Right Let's just put it this way Street View does not fill me with confidence (laughs) Right But also Yeah Street View In my state Is a little dated so, yeah, GameStop would be the closest one, which is, like, 20 miles away. And that's in the mall, which, yeah,
0: right? Yeah. So, the the, the closest, like, yeah, they're called Media Vault. And they do, you know, all kinds of video game stuff, classics. It looks like they've got a lot of phones and tablets, too. I don't know. I've never actually been in there. They've been open for three or four years. Um, They opened shortly after... I moved here. Actually, it looks like there's a in.
1: local gaming store in South Charleston that's actually somewhat decently stocked. But once again, yeah, pretty uh, far away. But eh, It's like Xbox, PlayStation 2, GameCube era uh, is at least what pops up whenever you. Use it. <laughs> they offer free shipping, but you have to pay a uh, you know get a hundred dollar order. Which honestly, if you right. start getting vintage stuff, is not hard to get as well. Well, here you go. Uh, some uh, Star Wars Episode 1 me- uh, memorabilia,
0: right? Yep. Very valuable. Um, well, it's all boxed, so it- it's
1: still like 20 bucks. <laughs> uh, 1998, Applause Star Wars. I'm assuming that's the company. Uh, episode 1, Jar Jar Banks for 25 bucks. I think you'd have to give me 25 bucks to take that. True. So there are still game places around here it's just yeah g- good luck finding them right and not yeah. not ending up at a you know some random gambling den because uh people are be, gambling dens are kind of like that uh, you know, dumb tax that uh people that don't understand uh math uh, get, uh, have to pay or you know or just addicted to gambling and yeah you know, right yeah uh, or or view it as their only way <clears throat> out because Right, remind the fact yeah. that yeah, paying out is a little bit uh, illegal here. <laughs> so, mm.
0: so let's um, with that out of the way, let's move on to our last news story, which is kind of a news story mix: um, the Epic versus Apple lawsuit. Uh, yeah, this is. So there are this multiple... was, Yeah, this
1: is a little confusing to try to figure out because it's just, poof, right? I watched the Legal yeah. Eagle, which is actually on a different one. So,
0: yeah, apparently Epic is in a number of lawsuits right now. They're in a lawsuit with Apple, Sony, Google, and then it, they're and their are multiple um, legal. In, I don't know if legal investigation is the right way to say it, but they're Discovery. having to, yeah. In, I watched several Eagle Eagle. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but in, in several you know different countries, they're being uh, you know sued or investigated for stuff like. And I mean that makes it sound way worse than it's probably going to turn out to be. But it's just like about business practices and stuff, which at best will amount to them getting some fines, and at worst they'll get you know. Yeah, what's honestly? The
1: well, with the fines, it's probably more just you know, the cost of uh, business. Because the fines are never going to uh, end up being more than what they paid for with their, with whatever shitty business practice they're being sued for. Yeah.
0: I'd love to see. I would... God, I would pay good money. I'd probably jerk off to it, too. To see a country put a corporation out of business with like a multi-billion or trillion dollar fine. That would be so hot. I would move to that country immediately. Yeah,
1: but that's the thing, is that... Um, at least in the U.S., that's not going to happen just because of how uh, uh, the tax system works and how uh, corporations could h- hide their wealth. They could just claim for bankruptcy and you know, right? Yeah.
0: Yep, yep. But I could see it happening in you know a, a good country like Germany. <laughs> I was going to say the EU or the yeah somewhere in the EU maybe Australia. Although, Australia's got plenty of shitty stuff, too. Mm. Canada. Maybe Canada. No, Canada would apologize. (laughs) Oh, Anyway, so the one that we're going to focus on is sort of like the big one. Um, Last year, it's been nearly a year ago at this point. It was in August when Epic did the the Apple 1984 ad against Apple, um, which, uh, you know, obviously it was all... Like pre-planned, you know, they had it had it all ready to go to start this whole, you know, shindig. Um, but you know, about wanting to be able to <laughs> essentially point people from iOS and other platforms, not just Apple, but I, but Apple was sort of the big one that is like the the biggest one, I guess, that's taken them to court for it. Um, but being able to sell directly to customers instead of having to go through the App Store, um, and that kicked off. This entire, you know, lawsuit or series of lawsuits, it's all very confusing. A year's worth of litigation is a lot to try to parse. I think but also even for someone nothing who has, for uh,
1: uh, the actual process.
0: Yeah. So, in general, what has happened over the course of this is that it, you know, there was a lot of back and forth, there was discovery, there were hearings, um... You know, I, I watched some of them. I read about a lot of them and heard about them on on podcasts. The court, or the, not the court, the, the, the case, the trial, whatever, um, is over for now. Closing arguments were given on May 24th of this year, so about just over a month ago. Um, and they are working on a settlement um, and and possibly some other... Some other stuff. I mean, I guess that's kind of vague, but this just covers so many things. Some of the biggest things that were kind of up in the trial was um, <clears throat> this really weird discussion about uh, whether or not apps, certain apps counted as games or or something else. Um, like, you know, Minecraft and Roblox were brought up pretty extensively on the Wikipedia page. It talks about them being defined as either games or metaverses. And then they called it um, Experiences. Roblox, it was referred to as like a game that provided experiences to players in the forms of its mini games. And, you know, following that discussion, Roblox changed their their main website (laughs) and branding to get rid of game and replace it with experiences in certain places. Um, Apple, you know, pretty hardly or pretty, pretty like hardcore defended um, what they call the curation of their content and, uh, forcing apps that want to be on their store to go actually through the app store and and to get their cut of any purchases that are made. And for, you know, for, my perspective on that, just very briefly for better or for worse is it's like, if you're going to use someone's platform, you have to agree to their rules. And if you're not going to do that, then don't use their platform. Like that's fine and there's consequences for that for that action either way the consequences of using the platform is paying whatever the fees are and for not using it like you don't have to use the fees but then you get you know less exposure and all that jazz so but you know i i thought that that whole thing was bullshit like does apple charge too much probably but if you agree to be on their platform like you understand that up front anyways um something they call their anti-steering policy which prevents any app from directing the, uh, the user outside of the app to make purchases. Um, Apple doesn't want you doing that because that takes you out of their ecosystem. Um, there's a lot of stuff that was went through, uh, for loot boxes and how those relate to things. And, you know, at what point are they like, how are they monetizable? Like, you know, what categories they fall under for monetization purposes and just like all of this stuff that gets out in the weeds. Um, it's it's a i mean it's a a very big confusing deal and anyone who's interested i would i would encourage you to go look into it um you know i made the mistake of confusing the epic um um sh- shit class action lawsuit with this lawsuit yeah that's um, what happened to me was i was uh
1: looking uh at the links in the uh that jim had put in and I saw Legal Eagle at some point, and that was about the class action lawsuit, not the Epic versus Apple, which is something different. And it's just, it's a complete clusterfuck on what is going on, actually, because they're named in so many different lawsuits with different people. Good luck uh, figuring out which is which, right?
0: Yeah. And as of right now, like, we don't really know what's going to happen unless something just came out that was, um, you know, that has new information about how they're going to wind up settling, following, following this uh, court case. I mean, some consequences that we've seen already that kind of happened throughout the process of, of the discovery phase. And then the actual, you know, trial itself. Um, Fortnite was removed from the Apple store or, you know, from the iStore, whatever they, they're calling it these days, like was, was removed. Um, uh, the produce stand. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, one of those things, like, I remember this happening with Flappy Bird. It's probably happened with other stuff, too. But, like, people that still had the app installed on their iPhone were selling their iPhones for, you know, thousands of dollars. Well, wasn't
1: there uh, the that one demo, uh, the Kojima uh, demo, that was making absurd amounts of money because it was still installed on uh, certain uh, PlayStations?
0: Yeah, that was the PT demo. Well, oh, I can't
1: remember what... I knew it was initials, but I can't remember what one it was. I mean, it's just, oof, right? Yeah. So, which Kojima is a, another kettle of fish
0: on? You know, just how crazy things could get, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we will. Let me let me do a little little googling actually, because I read through the stuff that we had. I rewatched the Legal Eagle video, um, but yeah,
1: it's basically like, as far as I could tell, not anywhere close to resolved. It's just still, it's you know. Doing its thing. Which it's litigation,
0: so yeah, it's going to take ages. So it looks like... Let's see, according to this... What is this... Where's this article from? MSN News. Uh, Looks like the... Even though the trial is over, it's likely not to be litigated until later in the summer or early in the fall. Early sort of predictions about how the, the case is going to play out. Um indicates that or, yeah, da, 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 most of our legal experts favor apple in the lawsuit the law is clearly on their side they had uh, contracts etc etc uh, yeah courts don't let's see this says courts don't usually like to regulate pli- prices <clears throat> would be more than more than likely to let the companies work that out amongst themselves epic may be required to pay damages to apple uh,
1: which they have Fortnite money, cool. so they don't care about Which that.
0: Which they, yeah, they've got, yeah, they've got Fortnite money. So, oh yeah, of course. This then, this is saying, of course, this will, this case will likely have multiple federal court appeals. It might be 2022 or even 2023 before the final results of this lawsuit are in. I mean, that's this is just all what the article is saying. Like I'm paraphrasing stuff here, but you know, that was with just like. Two minutes of Google searching.
1: Yeah, basically, yeah, we're still always away from everything. Yeah, before you even get to uh, appeals and everything else. So,
0: yeah, so we'll yeah. We'll, ch- I mean,
1: we'll check back on this in uh, June
0: twenty twenty two. Yep, my my very basic like opinion on the whole thing is that one, from a top down perspective, fuck both of these companies. They're multi billion. Dollar companies
1: and the fact that having, they w-
0: were weaponizing their fan
1: base, right?
0: Yeah, who took advantage of and weaponized their fan bases in this court case over what to them is is pennies, you know, chump change, like more money yeah, than I'll ever yeah, see in my life. Yeah, but but to these multi billion dollar international corporations, it's like whatever. Yeah, it's, money.
1: yeah, it's basically you know what you'd find in Howard Howard's uh,
0: couch cushions. Right. That being said, epic. What the fuck are you doing, man? Like, Apple clearly had this one in the bag. You broke your cut. Co- you breached your contract. You broke all the, the agreements. Like, are Apple's policies shit? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not defending Apple's policies, but Epic, you knew that when you signed up. So this stunt that you pulled, like, whatever. You're gonna fucking lose. You deserve to lose. You're in the wrong. That's that's kinda my my viewpoint. Fuck both of them, but in this like, instance, fuck Epic a little more.
1: Yeah, pretty so. much. Yeah, just let them fight, you have know, maybe destroy each other. Yeah, that would be all right. Of course, that's never going to happen, but, eh, I could dream.
0: Right. A boy can dream. So, yeah, that does it for our news stuff, our community stuff this week. Rage, where can they send us things if they want well, to? Well, if
1: you wish to send them to us, you could do say VGO podcast. At gmail.com, tweet them to us, VGL Podcast on the Twitter, or drop by the Discord. You find a link to that over at VGL Podcast.podbean.com. Indeed. So, do we want to tackle Discovery Q?
0: My coffee wore off a long time ago. <laughs> I'm, oper- I'm I'm running on, on
1: piss and vinegar fumes. against uh, Epic.
0: Piss a- and vinegar at the audacity of fucking corporations in these news topics and then, like, you know, fumes.
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like you're fuming.
0: <laughs> so, you know, I might can make it through a queue. I might not.
1: Uh, well, my first game wasn't great, so... Yeah. Alright, cool. Yeah, let's just put so- it this way. What I can see in the queue is uh, Disturbing Porn Game
0: is the second one. Is that its name? Disturbing
1: no, Porn Game? No, it's... Uh, basically a porn game where you're trying to escape a rapist. Ah, from the looks of it,
0: that's definitely pretty disturbing. So yeah,
1: let's not. Maybe Okey I'll dokey. maybe I'll run through enough discovery cues to actually get to some decent games. Although I have had a few pop up, but I'm just kind of running through this one just to try to get rid of it. And, oh, the oh, that's actually an interesting little sci-fi turn-based quad management game. I'll add that to my wish
0: list. Nice. Um, a lot of shit. a lot of shit. I haven't uh, checked my Discovery queue in a while. Steam sale's on, though, to our listeners. Well, it's also, you know, cards. That's true. Very true. Although I haven't been
1: exactly, you know, diligent on that one since uh, I kind of spent the weekend uh, piecing my computer back together and mixing matching parts, trying to figure out what the fuck. Turns re,
0: out, re re rebuilding your PC. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, uh, did get a comment how someone was glad that they have a little small computer that they could just toss in a their bag for LAN parties. But honestly, I wasn't expecting to take all the spaghetti out of my computer. So right, yeah. let alone like three or four times. Indeed.
0: All right. And now, well, now I it definitely want like to make gonna... sure I
1: have the right person on that. Uh, it was actually Supe. Supe. Uh, that commented how uh, they like their little uh, Pico PSU uh, ultra quiet, low power draw. And so cool with
0: barely any <laughs> moving parts. So, so cool. All right. Well, since it sounds like we're going to skip by discovery queue this week, Hey rage, why don't you uh, hit him with the socials?
1: Well, I've been caffeine rage. You can find me uh, complaining about uh, shoving wires back into my computer over at uh, on twitter gaming of cr you can be my friend on steam caffeine rage uh and uh, yeah actually that's about it i think the coffee's wearing off on me too
0: <laughs> sweet well Are you, you can find me on the yeah gaming psychologist you can find me on the youtubes by searching for that on twitter at jma4707 or i'm a friend on steam jr34707 or you know you can shout in the end discord or whatever or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we're too
1: tired for uh, all this shit. Right? <laughs> it, it, <laughs> right. It's, I'm going to be getting to bed at maybe 1 o'clock. So, yeah. As
0: soon as we're done and I save my file, I'm going to yeah, bed. Yeah,
1: pretty much. I, I was supposed to start recording already, right? Yeah, I know, Don't not jo- like Don't that. joke about that, right? <laughs> Never <laughs> joke about
0: One day, you're either going to have forgotten or something's going to fuck up and you're going to say that and I'm not going to believe you and you're going to be like, no, Jared. I didn't. I wasn't recording. Yeah, it turns out gonna, Audacity
1: like, crashed like two
0: hours ago. Craig has been working fine, so it seems so far tonight. So we would we would have been okay tonight.
1: Uh, but anyway, once again, you could contact us Podcast at gmail with your letters for most game related topics. Tweet them to us VGLpodcast or drop by Discord vchelpodcast dot dot com to find a link to that. All our stuff, the RSS feed, the show notes. And our lovely, lovely patrons have made all of this possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash podcast. Our intro and outro music, it's on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at incompetech.com and...
0: As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, But bye now. Uh, see you next time. Bye-bye.